1: see Jesus in you to the point where they don't see you but Jesus, that would bring conviction and that would lead them to the cross and they're going to say, you know, there's something about this person that he is just like Jesus. How do you do it? Well, I can only be like Jesus if I receive him into my life and if I allow the Holy Spirit to come into my heart and transform me and change me day by day. It's not an overnight process.
0: Do people see Jesus in you? In today's message, Pastor Eddie will talk about the powerful reality of the Holy Spirit living in and through those who are Christ's followers. We've been called to represent Jesus in our spheres of influence, and the only way that is possible is to surrender control to Him. How can you give up of yourself today and allow the Lord to reveal Himself through you? He wants to make Himself known through your life. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. As he begins his message, Paul's charge to Timothy and the Word of God.
1: Let us turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let us go before the Lord in prayer before we begin our study. Heavenly Father, you're the same God, and we sing of your goodness forever and your amazing grace, and you're our shepherd, Lord, and now, Lord, we continue our worship, but with the study of your word, Lord, we ask, Lord, um, you have ordained the apostle Paul to be an apostle some 2,000 years ago. And Lord, you have inspired him, Lord, to put pen to papyrus and to write these epistles. And Lord, here we are some 2,000 years later. It still speaks to us because it's alive. Your word is alive. It's living. It's sharpened any two-edged sword. And Lord, it speaks to us. So we ask, Lord, your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Your Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write these words for us to read, study, and live by. And so we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, open up our eyes that we would see, ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts ready to receive what your word has for us. We ask all this in your name we pray. Amen. 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 We're going to read from verses 10 through 17. 10 through 17. Paul writes, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I've endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The last time we were together in 2 Timothy, we studied chapter 3 in verses 1 through 9. In verses 1 through 9. Now that brings us to verses 10 through 17 of chapter 3. Just a little background. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison right now. He's in prison. And in just a matter of days, he will be executed. This is the end of his ministry. And he's writing a pastoral epistle. This is a pastoral epistle. And though it is applied and is speaking directly to pastors and leaders, it is applicable for all of us, every single one of us. But the emphasis is so that the pastor know what a deacon, an elder, a bishop, pastor, What are the qualifications? What are the charges? What are the warnings that we must listen to and follow when it comes to the word of God? Paul writes to his son in the faith, young pastor Timothy, and gives him final instructions as he's making his way, he's ending his letter, and in a matter of days, he's about to be executed. And so... In verses 10 through 17, we're going to look at two things. In verses 10 through 17, we're going to look at two things. For those of you who are taking notes, in verses 10 through 13, we're going to see the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. That's in verses 10 through 13. In verses 14 through 17, we're going to look at the faithfulness to the Word of God. Faithfulness to the word of God in verses four to seventeen. Well, we read our text. Let us now study the text verse by verse. Second Timothy chapter three, verse ten. Paul writes this but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, affliction. Paul now draws a sharp contrast. Between the testimony of a true believer in Jesus Christ and perilous men, the perilous men he mentioned in verses two through nine. In verses two to nine, Paul lists for us those 18 characteristics how to describe a false teacher. Here, Paul lists nine different qualities or characteristics of his own teaching, of his own life. And now, Timothy had already witnessed this in the life of Paul. He All these characteristics that Paul lists here in verse 10, Timothy had personally observed in Paul's life because Timothy was with Paul for most of his ministry. There was a father and son relationship. That is why he's writing directly to Timothy. And Paul always led a life by example. Paul knew that... People are following him. People are watching him. Paul knew he had the responsibility of discipling to raise up believers and to raise up teachers, elders and teachers or builders of builders. He knew this was his calling as an apostle. And Paul knew that the life he lived ultimately would glorify God. That's why he writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says this, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, You probably heard it in another phrase uh, or another version. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that is what he is calling, not only for Timothy, his protege, but for all those who have, he had discipled. Follow me as I follow Christ. They're going to be perilous men, false teachers. I gave you the 18 characteristics of how to identify a false teacher. Now I'm letting you know Paul is in no way, you know, exalting himself or bragging here, but he wants you to see the contrast between the two. There's only two. They're either false prophets or true prophets. False teachers or teachers that have been ordained by God to stick to the word of God. And Paul is letting him know, listen, you need to understand this. And and Paul lived his life. Paul lived his life. And I believe, you know, God had ordained him to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament. Okay, most of his life you'll find in the book of Acts, three quarters of the book of Acts is on the life of Paul because it was so amazing. I wonder when Luke wrote this, you know, book of Acts, he said, man, this guy, Paul, who would have thought he would have got saved, you know? But the Lord, you know, it's not that, you know, Luke was so interested in Paul and glorifying Paul, but he, he knew that the Lord was going to use him he was going to be used in the scripture, an example of how we ought to follow. And that goes for every single one of us. Listen, it's important Christians. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to be careful because whether you realize it or not, your life, your life. And this is the truth. Your life will affect thousands and thousands of people. It will affect thousands and thousands of people, your life. Whether good or bad, your life will, will affect thousands, it's not more than hundreds of thousands of people, those who are around you. It will affect those you know, those you love. And we know that. We see in our family how the life of a family, whether good or bad, affects us. If they're doing well, we're so proud. We rejoice if they're really struggling, they're doing really bad. It affects us. It'll affect those you don't know, strangers. People are watching you, especially when you are a Christian. I'm not talking about a closet Christian. I'm talking about a Christian whose bold in their faith does not compromise and really share and really live a life that glorifies God. And they are watching you. They are examining our lives to whether if we will exhibit the realities what we display as Christian, they want to see if you're genuine. And they want to see if you you live everything you do, the decisions you make, the way you live your life, and how you deal with circumstances. They're watching you. They're watching you. And so looking at Paul, this is what he did in his life, his ministry. And we must understand, you know, again, this is a pastoral epistle, is applicable for us, but we find in many passages in the Scripture calling for you and I as believers in Jesus Christ to set an example. As a matter of fact, Peter, in his first epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, Peter writes this, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. You're to follow in the steps of Christ. How do I live like Christ? Listen, there are four books that point to Jesus, that records the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four gospels are given to us in the very beginning of the new covenant the new testament for us to follow how Jesus lived, how Jesus loved, how Jesus had compassion for others. That's how we ought to live. And if people see Jesus in you to the point where they don't see you but Jesus, that would bring conviction, and that would lead them to the cross, and they're going to say, you know, there's something about this person that he is just like Jesus. How do you do it? Well, I can only be like Jesus if I receive them into my life, and if I allow the Holy Spirit to come into my heart and transform me and change me day by day. It's not an overnight process. It's not, okay, you're a Christian, all of a sudden, boom, you're floating on air, no, it takes time. But people are watching. We need to set an example. Paul, had, he was an open book. He was an open book. In fact, by God's grace, Paul is, is in 14 books in the New Testament. The ones he wrote, and also uh, the book of Acts. And if you're one of those that are debating whether he wrote the book of Hebrews, You know, we could discuss that later. We'll find out who wrote it. Paul. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's my view. It's, it's not true. Again, test all things, okay? Don't believe that. So Paul lists for us nine characteristics you know, that he himself had demonstrated and shown throughout his ministry. And he's calling Timothy uh, and every leader in the house of God to follow his example. Read it. It's there. It's there, the life of the apostle Paul. Remember, again, this is a pastoral epistle. So, now these nine characteristics are broken up into three categories. Nine characteristics broken up into three categories. Category number one, the first three, deals with Paul's ministry. Deals with Paul's ministry. The first three is the doctrine, manner of life, and purpose. So, the doctrine, Paul says, I set this example of the doctrine. In other words, the teaching, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He just stuck to the gospel of Jesus Christ, no other gospel, not the gospel of Paul, not the gospel of any other person. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul, he mentions this in in all his epistles that, you know, he teaches the word of God and he sticks to the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse five writes this, but we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, we don't preach ourselves. I've heard sermons where, you know, like is a 50 minute sermon uh, is like 40 minutes of themselves and maybe five minutes of something else and five minutes of Christ. Listen, we all have I don't have to share my testimony. (laughs) We all have messed up lives. We all have a testimony. Every single one of us here, you have a testimony. The reason why you have a testimony is you accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord person and savior. And before that, your BC days before you were saved, there is a testimony. The scripture calls to be a witness. No one has to be ordained to be a witness. We are witness. The Greek word for witness is marty, which means martyr. You share. You don't have to you don't need a Bible degree. To share the gospel? Just share your story. Tell how Christ saved you and how you repented of your sins and turned your life around. So Paul here, you know, his testimony is there and he will, in his letters, you know, revert back and point to that time when his life was converted and it was through Jesus Christ by his grace. But he says, I'm not preaching on myself. I'm preaching Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, Paul writes this... But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, Paul did not have the book of Acts. Obviously, (laughs) he did not have the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The Lord used the Apostle Paul to turn the world around using the Old Testament to point to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the birth of the church that had spread from Jerusalem throughout Asia Minor and around the world, even for us today, all started by preaching Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. But when Paul was converted, you could read that in Galatians later, it said that Paul spent three years in the desert. Three years in the desert. This is what he's talking about here because he was already a scholar. He was a Pharisee. He was like one of the best. And he actually had to take the Old Testament and start from Genesis one, And he found Jesus in almost every page. The Lord, remember, he was blind in the road to Damascus. And the Lord gave him sight. And now he's able to see all this time I approached the old covenant, the Old Testament, the wrong way. I'm looking for a Messiah that would ride into Jerusalem on a white stallion glorious and have power, take over Jerusalem from the bondage of Rome. No wrong Messiah. His kingdom is not of this world. So he went three years relearning everything. Trust me, I had to relearn a lot of things. I've been through a lot of church circles and you know, all kinds of denominations and, and different doctrines and they never really showed the scriptures, but I had to relearn a lot of things. And that's okay as long as you're learning the right things. And so Paul never taught. So he's dealing with doctrine. Second, in this category of ministry, a manner of life. You're talking about Paul's conduct, his behavior, how he lived as an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know, quite often, you know, I've hear those who are called in leadership. I need to be careful because I'm a deacon. I need to be careful because I'm an elder or whatever it is, a bishop, archbishop, arch archbishop, whatever it is. And we feel that, okay, we got to act more holy, be careful. Well, yeah, in a way, yes. But you should have been living that way before you ordained. All of us ought to live at, in a way where our lives is an example that reflects Jesus Christ. The next thing is Purpose. Paul's purpose, what he says, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He didn't care about death. To live as Christ, to die as gain. 16 times Paul identified his purpose. 16 times he mentions an apostle of Jesus Christ. And in all his epistles, 16 times. Am I not an apostle of Jesus Christ? So that's his ministry. The next category deals with his uh, personal virtues, his qualities, and the next three is faith, long-suffering, love. So faith, Paul, speaking of his trust, he places trust in Christ where he surrendered his life on the road to Damascus, but also as a personal commitment, as devotion, he trusts in the Lord in all things and everything. You know, many of us have made it to the cross. You're born again, you're saved, but we, we kind of lose the area of faith. It kind of dwindles down because we all base our relationship with Christ and whether we're following Christ based on circumstances. But no, faith needs to continue on. We need to grow in our faith. Paul will say, walk in faith, walk in faith. And it's the life, trusting in God in everything, trusting in God. I don't know what you came in with. I know there are things that are consuming you, but listen, faith, faith. And it's not how much faith. People say, oh, you don't have enough faith. No. You say you have faith as a mustard seed. Because it's not how much faith you have, but who you have your faith in. That makes the difference. I remember one time, you know, Judy wasn't feeling well, she was ill, whatever it is, and and, and somebody gave us some tapes. One of these TV evangelists about faith. And I'm like saying, oh, this is interesting. I already know how most of them are. And he gave a story about this man who died of cancer. Hello, Christians are dying of cancer, by the way. But he said, if only this man had enough faith. And that's what's being taught with this prosperity movement that's in TV. This name and claim it, blabbing and grab it, shaking and bake it kind of people. You call it to, oh, God, oh, God, oh, I'm sorry. I had a plan, but because you say you want me to do oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, like God's going to stop everything because of you, because you demand God. Can I tell you something? You know my survey, right? 10 out of 10 people, right? You're going to die from the very last thing you're sick from. Right, And so this is what has destroyed a lot of Christians, especially when they come and put up their tents. A healing revival. Some guy on TV that heals people, which there's no proof, it's all a show. They come into town, they've set up their tent, they mislead people. Then they pack their tent and leave, nobody's healed, and the churches within the community have to deal with that. Paul says, you know, he says, Lord, I pray three times to take this thorn away from my flesh. What did the Lord say? My grace is sufficient. Some people say, oh, the thorn in his flesh had to deal with a, a problem. Um, the word flesh in the Greek is the same in the English. Thorn in the flesh. He happened. Listen, Paul, we're going to see what Paul went through. He's been through a lot. He's been beat up pretty badly. Almost left for dead. So he's going to have a lot of scars. As Max, some of the books, he had to have somebody help him finish writing because his eyesight wasn't that great. Because when he met the Lord and rode Damascus, the Lord healed him. But the Lord didn't heal him 100%. God's will, whatever he wants to do. And so people get caught up with this healing stuff. And so we need to be careful. So... I kind of got off a little bit, but I I don't know. Well, we trust the Lord for that one, right? Faith, right? Faith. These are one of the the virtues, right? And he also, in his personal life, long suffering, meaning that, uh, you know, it's towards, you know, adversaries, false teachers, you know, for brethren, for the the church, you know, long suffering, meaning to suffer long. (laughs) It means to be patient with someone, to be with someone, to deal with it long. We don't like the long part. But God is doing the work. The longer it takes, the more God is doing the work. Then we have love. In so many ways, Paul showed love. He had a heart. He even wrote in his epistles, he teared, he cried for the church. He, he had a heart for the church. So he prayed for the saints. He had loved the church so much and his fellow man.
0: You've just heard another message from Pastor Eddie right here on Running the Race. We're so glad you decided to spend part of your day with us delving deep into God's Word to learn more about Jesus. The Apostle Paul made sure to leave no strings untied as he wrote a letter to Timothy, the man who would eventually take over Paul's ministry. It's no secret that we'll all face death someday, and sometimes we need to face that reality. That's exactly what's happening in this book of 2 Timothy. Equally important is keeping our focus on God and trusting that He used our life exactly how it was meant to be spent. There's much more to learn from this book and other books of the Bible, so be sure to visit RunningTheRaceRadio.com. While you're there, take some moments to look around. We have some great resources to help you in your study of God's Word. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you.
1: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located
0: off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage" button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. That's all the time we have for today. But we look forward to being with you again on the next edition of Running the Race.